Tim Gwim, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Jimmy. Good to see you again. Good to see you, man. It's uh, I'm I'm really happy to do this podcast with you. Have you on? You know, another fellow South Jersey South Jersey guy. Yeah, looking forward to it. You know, you can't beat being in South Jersey Philly <laughs> fan nowadays. Eagles undefeated, Phillies in the World Series. This is very rare for this to happen. So it's a great time to be a Philly fan right now. I know, man. It's like every night I'm busy watching sports. So hopefully this recording doesn't age too much and they can continue strong. <laughs> Sorry about that. But your content could be full, you know, far in the future, but that's all good. No, that's no, no, good. no. It'd be, you know, by the time we play this, Phillies World Series champions. World Series champions. That's yeah. right. Think positive. Yep. <laughs> you got it. So Tim, we're going to go back in time today. We're going to, you know, I'm going to ask you some questions all about, you know, your history coming up. But I want to start in the beginning, sort of uh, before PCH. So why don't we start there? Like a couple of years prior to PCH, what were you doing? Like, uh, did you work in Best Buy selling computers or something like that? Or what was life like back then? So we're going to go way back. I started PCH when I graduated Drexel in 1997. But prior to that, I actually started the business just helping out my neighbors with their computers, things like that. I had a paper route from the Philadelphia Inquirer, and one of the people on the route, he knew I was going to Drexel for computers. He had a DJ business, and he wanted me to write a program for him to do his billing and things like that. So I wrote a computer program in Paradox. Wow. That's like a long, long time ago. But So anyway, I did a good job for him, and he referred me to a couple of his friends. And then by the time I graduated Drexel, it was 1997. Internet was really hot at the time. When you read the newspapers, on Sunday, come out, call us today. You get a $5,000 bonus, maybe it's a $1,000 bonus then. The market was very hot and I made a decision. I could have took a job at working for somebody, but I had enough customers ahead of me and I had one person in particular, my customers, and he told me, Timmy, you know, you got to take this opportunity to go in business for yourself. You know, you don't have any kids, you don't have any expenses, so just go out and do your business. I was very conservative with money and I was concerned about going out and taking a risk. I'm so really glad you were like 2019 ish. Like this is right. I'm 19, yeah, I was doing it. I was probably started in like 1920 when I was doing it. So okay. I was, you know, making money doing computer programming, setting up little networks myself. I graduated like I was probably 22, 23 when I started PCH. And that's when I started the company. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like you had a couple customers, you're in Drexel, right? You're bopping around Philly, probably uh, making calls, running back and forth. South Jersey, Philly, all that. And you decide to sort of do things on your own, make this a legitimate business versus, you know, collecting money here and there and whatever, you know, project base versus, you know, going and working for like an IBM or something out of college. Like, what was that like, like in your senior year of college when you're making those decisions? So, yeah, it was, we had the opportunity, different IBM, Price Water, Cooper House, all those different, their jobs are all, all there for sure. But when I was in school, it was, I put my way through school too. Uh, my parents taught me a little bit, but I had to pay for it myself. So I was, if I wasn't in school, I was working. So mm -hmm. I was basically doing one of the two things. And as I got a little bigger at the time, if I got a customer who was down, I'd have to actually, at a beeper, I would get a 911 call. I'd get up out of class. I had a bag phone. I'd make the phone call. And, you know, everybody's like with RMM and all these tools where you could actually see what you're doing. I had to memorize like, okay, click start press settings, press control panel. And I would walk people through step-by-step step, through memory on how to fix computer problems. This is the time of, this is AOL, dial-up, PC anywhere. So it was a completely different environment back then, if, you go, if we're going down history lane. So 
you know, the remote technology is, you know, to help people is way different as far as being able to assist people remotely. So that was a, a big thing. And I still got good grades. I didn't get straight A's, but I got, you know, I ended up with good grades. I got out of there, but what yeah, were you studying? Computer science is what I went okay. for. So that was around software, computer programming and development. I really didn't have any experience in what I'm doing now is more of networking. There was no cybersecurity whatsoever. I had like one class in computer networking at the time. So, but what computer science taught me was a, a very good troubleshooting skills and long-term learning, you know, basically how to learn new technologies is really what Drexel taught me. So Tim, going into this, did it just sort of happen organically or did you have like a business plan that you said, you know, I'm going to do X, Y, Z to get my customers and here's how I'm going to make money and that kind of thing, or just kind of happened? No, it, it kind of happened. Basically it was just referral based. So what happened, you know, I had enough customers that I met, you know, I did a good job for people. So I had good customer service and people liked the work that I was doing. Mm. So, you know, like any business, I was basically had referrals that kind of got me going the first year. Then I started advertising the Yellow Page a little bit because one of my clients was a Yellow Page client. He said, Tim, you should take an ad in the Yellow Pages. Like, there was no plan. He said, you know what? You should probably get customers, like do some advertising. There was no business plan. There was nothing. It was me just going out, hustling, doing jobs is really what how it started out, you know, from the, in the very, very beginning. Wow. So you're, you're graduating college or graduation's coming up. You decide you're not going to go, you know, get the programming job at the Fortune 500 company or the consulting firm or whatever it is. You're going to go out on your own. Like, at what point did you say, I'm going to make like an LLC, I'm going to do this legitimate? Like, how did that sort of happen? What was the internal, you know, mindset at that time? Yeah. So once I decided to, you know, to kind of go into business for myself, you know, I found an accountant and an attorney and I incorporated the business back in 97. That's when it was called PC Helpers at the time when I first started, because I was really helping people with, with their PCs. So that's when I got a little bit, you know, serious about doing it. You know, I was worried about making the income to cover my expenses really was what I was looking at. I didn't have any grand plan or anything like that. I was just looking at this was an opportunity for me to kind of, uh, computers were, it was a good field to be in. And then it took me about two years before I hired my first person in the company because I had to, again, I, I was just myself going out fixing things for sure. So it was kind of, it was a big decision for me not to take the job, but I'm glad that I didn't because I was able to make more revenue the first year than I would have if I did take the job. And I did work probably about the same amount of hours I would have worked at a full-time job in that case. So early on, like, were you, did you live at Drexel when you went to school there? Were you commuting in or living with your parents on your own? Like, what was that like? So what I did is the first year I lived on campus, met some people, got established. Then after that, because I was starting to get clients that first summer after school, I got my first client. After that, I basically stayed home. I was commuting back and forth to Drexel and I would leave Drexel to go to, go to clients and also I was, I was involved in the co-op program. So Drexel is a five-year program for people that don't, don't know. And you have a year and a half of experience before you get out. So I had three co-op cycles that I did at Lockheed Martin up in Morristown. And what I did there was I structured my schedule. I had a really good manager at the time, let me work from seven to three. So that's the earliest I could start with seven. That's the earliest I could get there. So I got there at seven, skipped my lunch, worked at three. That'd be like something real quick, but, and then I could go three o'clock from like, eight o'clock, I'd be handling my clients on the side. So I had to basically was doing double duty at that time to make sure that I could continue on and had clients through school. Wow. So PC helper, you're out there, you graduate, you got your clients, like, was it all just sort of rosy building up then? Or like, was there any challenges? You mentioned you hired someone about two years into the thing. Like, what was that time period like? Was there any self-doubt 
where you're like, well, maybe I should have went and stayed at Lockheed Martin or whatever. No, I think it was, from my perspective, it was, it was a good decision because it was so busy. We had so much work to do. But the challenge was to figure out learning how to delegate the work mm. to another person and bringing that first tech on because I was the tech and everything. So, and I, and I can't remember, I'm full tech, you know, I'm computer science, no business acumen, no marketing skills, no, I had some personal skills. People like me, but I didn't really know how to, how to manage another person, you know, efficiently and then do that. So that was a real, for a long period of time, I'd say even the first like 10 years, learning how to, to become a manager and grow the business and work with employees was really a, you know, a challenge, but the business thing, the referral thing is going, going good for a while. You know, we got referrals, Yellow Page are bringing in clients. So we were doing okay. We're getting bigger every year. Was really just not really not by design at all. It just kind of happened. So there really wasn't too much struggle because also my low, my overhead's really low. I'm living at my parents' house. Okay. Then I, you know, then after that, I lived in my own home. So it was like, there wasn't a lot of risk involved for a long period of time because my overhead's so low. So if something happens, you just cut back your employees. It's not like a, there's risk, but there's not a tremendous amount of risk at the time, I would say. Yeah. So talk to me about like, uh, hiring, what was the first position you hired? Like that first person? So we hired a, a technician. We had an account that needed a service two times a week, the larger account for me at the time. So he would go out there like kind of two times a week handling the IT needs at the time. He actually went to the client, sat there. They would call him on the phone. Hey, this isn't working. That what doesn't work. And he would actually, it was like five sites. He'd sit in the main office and sometimes he would go to the remote, so drive to the remote sites if he had to, or I would drive if something was down to get to the actual site to fix it or whatever. And uh, then in the interim, you know, then if were other calls, I'd say, okay, today you're going to go to this customer, that customer, we'd be driving over the place doing, we're going to set up a computer over here. We're going to, there wasn't that much remote work. It was a lot of, you know, traveling, a lot of on-site, on-site visits at that time period. So it seems like you're entrepreneurial in nature from the start. Uh, you mentioned you had a paper route. Did your family sort of question you going into this or it just kind of seemed like logical? This is what, you know, Tim's going to do, work for himself, start his business straight out of college. No, they really, my parents fully supported me in that process. And one of the things that happened to me personally was that my father was laid off multiple times throughout his career. And one of the things that I took to my heart is that I wanted to put myself in a position that I wanted to be in control of that situation. It's no fault of his own. He's the hardest worker that you could ever imagine. And it's just that he was in, and it's crazy because he was in the printing business and the technology, you know, was coming in place, you know, was actually eliminating some of his jobs. So the job that was being eliminated by him was being taken over by the things that I was doing. So my parents were fully supportive of us. They helped me with the paper route and things like that. So you know, I did talk to them about, you know, my plan and how I was going to do it. They were fully supportive of definitely doing that. So, and that's, that was my own, my own personal thing. That's kind of was, I wanted to push myself to do that because I didn't want to be in that particular position in my, in my life. Wow. That's, you know, there's a lot of purpose in that. I, I can see the drive there and look, here we are now, you know, 20 something years later. Yeah. So Tim, what was like that, like maturing period, like, right? It's you, you're running around, you're 21, 22, 23 years old. You're getting all these random clients and then, you know, you're hiring somebody because you need help here. Like, at what point do you think you started to learn, you know, how to be a manager and start thinking more like a business owner and building things out versus a tech guy with a couple clients? Yeah, it took me a while to get there. I would say it really took me to, in 2005, 
is when I moved out of my home and I purchased a, a commercial property and really started building the business at that point in time. And that's where I kind of understood what I had to do. I put it together a business plan because I had to get a loan for the actual property itself. So that's when I started planning, putting together a budget, putting together a plan, figuring out kind of what I was doing. And, you know, it's 25 years this year uh, I've been in business. And I would say only when I finally got to, I changed my mentality back in 2014, 2015, that I had to put all my employees first versus my clients. And I understood that building a very strong team is more important than clients. The clients will come after you have a strong team. My thinking before that was that I have to get more clients, get more clients, get more clients. I can always hire people. You know, they're just going to work for me, whatever. And that was the wrong mentality that I had. But it's the only mentality I had because I thought I would get more rep, more clients, meant more revenue for the company, and we would just get more employees. So it really took me a long time to mature as far as how the business is running currently. If you rewind just a little bit, I did an acquisition back in 2008, which was a big turn for the business. We almost doubled in size that year. So that was a big learning lesson as well for us when we, uh, we did that. Wow. Yeah. You are someone who I've met many of your employees and you have a really strong company culture throughout all areas of the company, whether it be your, your technicians and you know your whole team in there, and then also your sales and marketing team. So it's really cool to hear you uh, sort of verbalize how that wasn't like a, a thing that just happened, right? That was uh, 10, 15 years of learning to build that culture first and get it really strong. So, you know, definitely commend you for that. I want to dig in a little bit about like those transition years. Around that time, the term like MSP started becoming mm-hmm. popular. Like at what point did you have a moment sort of maybe you went to like some event or something and, and you're like, hey, maybe I am an MSP. Maybe I need to start doing this thing. Maybe I need to like look at this break fix versus managed services. Right. Like how did that happen for you? Yeah, I remember that very clearly. That was around 05, 06. At the time, Enable was just coming out and they wanted to sell you this leasing though. It was like 40 or 50 grand. There's a couple of players. Enable, Level Platforms was that around at the time. And I forget there was like one other one, but we just implemented Autotask back in 05, 06. And we had clients on block hours at the time, and we saw the recurring model starting. So we started going to our clients and saying, we're going to set you up with a program. We're going to do the patching on your computer. We're going to make sure you're up and running. And we were using the monitoring software at the time at level platforms, and it just did not work out. We were having all these kind of bugs. We ended up going a homegrown network monitoring tool that we put together for a little bit of time. And then we ran into Kaseya, and we ran Kaseya for many years. But that was probably in 07, we switched on to Kaseya, but we started transitioning all our clients off of block hours and we're doing more and more remote work. I would say that would be a very, we were an MSP in 06, 07 is when we started as an MSP. Before that, we were a break fix shop. We did some software development at the time. We had a retail operation. We were very, very segmented in the work that we did at that time because it was, it was a different time period of different needs. So that's when it really started becoming an early MSP, I would say. And, the, and the, that term did not exist at the time. I think it was just proactive services you kind of talked about, or PCHs. We called it System Shield is what we called it at the time. There wasn't MSP or managed services, a nomenclature that I'm aware of at that point, at that time period. So you were early. You were early on switching to this model. I mean, even like, you know, five years ago, it's, people are, are still, you know, battling whether or not they should switch to it. And what, like, you have always been entrepreneurial in nature, just hearing, you know, your story. 
you studied computer science, like no uh, Wharton MBA in there. And I don't think so, unless, you know, there's something you're not telling me, you know, what was it? Was it instinct or did you look at the numbers? Like what had you switch on that, you know, beginning of the bell curve? I think you would be in the first, you know, five, 10% of companies that started to uh, adopt the new model. So I can tell you the answer to that question. It's a great question. So I met a CFO of a company, a still client today. He's no longer there, but he said, Tim, He's worked at Wall Street and all this other different stuff, like a really high-end guy. And because I was went and fixed his computer for him, he liked when I got him fixed up. Tim, I'm going to tell you the thing. There's three R's, regular, recurring, revenue. You have those three things and you have a great business. And that was managed services. So that would push me because this guy knew what he was doing yeah. and I did not know. So I accepted the fact that I do not know everything about finance and all, but this guy knows. So I'm going to build regular recurring revenue in anything that I do. And that's what I've done for years and years and years. So that's, uh, I think that's a pretty good answer to your question. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. So, okay. So then you talked about in 2015, you had a big shift, right? You talk about where you started investing in sales and marketing. Did you have a similar, you know, uh, white light moment where somebody said, you know, Tim, <laughs> you really need to build a brand and, and, you know, like how did, what happened there? Why, why did you start, you know, change your mindset? Yeah. So what happened was we were in that property from basically from 05. And then in 2010, we had a massive, a massive flood on that property. And it was a whole big, big problem issue. So I had a, I had a few years to kind of uh, work through what I, where I want to take the business next. I knew PC Helpers really wasn't matching the clients we saw because we're doing managed services. We're going, I'm walking into the boardrooms here. Oh, here's Tim from PC Helpers. Meanwhile, it's in a finance company. It just didn't make sense. And I said, I have to, I basically have to change what I'm doing. And I have to get serious about sales and marketing. I can't just use, you know, just not plan and do it. And so I, you know, hired a company that helped us rebrand the company. And I wanted that, and I saw companies grow, you know, in the, around the area that they were growing, growing, growing through sales and marketing. But the IT part of it, like they get a great job at sales and marketing, but the IT wasn't at the same level as, mm. as kind of what we were doing. I had a great IT product, but my sales and marketing was basically not there. And that's when I kind of thought, you know, I need to take my time and I really want to invest. If I'm going to grow and grow, grow quickly, I need to make sure that my team is right. My people are right. And the clients will basically will come after that. And then I went all in on sales and marketing. I hired my first sales and marketing person. We did a whole rebrand. We did a big Star Wars splash event that went off very well. And then once I got past that Star Wars event and we got appointments from it and we created revenue, then I saw that sales and marketing could work. And we did event-based marketing for a number of years, but that was kind of our big push as far as that goes. Wow. So uh, you're looking out at all these companies that you see everywhere and they're advertising and they've got clients and you're like, wow, these, <laughs> we're better at this stuff than they are. You know, I, maybe I need to do some of this too. That's, that's amazing. Yep. So that's basically what we did. And we really, we saw marketing, sales and marketing was working and, you know, it was tough. I'd say the first three years, it was just myself and one other person mm -hmm. um, doing all the sales and marketing for the company. And I, before that, I was pretty much the full-time salesperson. But then I started attending, one of the things I was doing, attending a lot of industry events, meeting a lot of other business owners, mm -hmm. going to shows. That's why I met you, several shows, and I'm, I've networked with them and understand, you know, what challenges they had and how, and how they overcome them. So I try to share my knowledge as well and problems that I've had in order to overcome them. But yeah, it was a, it was a struggle wasn't easy. We had to figure out what worked, what didn't. We had a couple of stops and starts on some things, but you always got to test with marketing, see what's going to work and do what works and go from there. Yeah. I, I'm curious along the way, like at what point did you stop 
working on the actual computers and, you know, be doing the technician stuff and, and giving that up. And, and if you did, I don't know, maybe you're still, you know, have RMM access and you're doing all checking the patching and making sure it's all, all right. And rolling out new endpoint, whatever. Uh, like at what point though, if there is a point along the way, did you say, you know, I need to step up, I need to act as CEO, I need to manage things and then hire people to, you know, get in the weeds on the technology. Yeah, I think kind of the first step was even back in, we had a, an operations person probably in 07 or 08 that kind of hit, that ran most of the operations, but I was kind of just at that point really doing sales and the finance part of it, but they were doing most of the technology part of it. I would only get an escalation if something was really messed up or they needed my support on. So it's been a while since I've been out of, you know, actually the technology from troubleshooting, from a project issue, from a compliance issue, like something like more uh, higher level. I can definitely speak on that and give my opinion, but yeah, I've not been in tech for a long time. I, I may have an RMM account, but I don't know how to log into it anymore. <laughs> I got to call the help desk. Everybody thinks I can fix something. And I say, you know what? I, I'm calling the help desk now if I have a problem or an issue. So was that hard for you to give up at that, like at that initial point, or you were so focused on grow the company, well, streamline operations, that kind of thing? Yeah. I found a book around 2009, 2010 called Traction that I used the EOS system. And I mm -hmm. really, that I took that book to heart and I started implementing some things in there. And that's really kind of how I started moving away, you know, not working in the business, working on the business. I'm still doing that today where we've been growing rapidly and you have to constantly evolve and change the way you're doing things with your, at different sizes of the business. Yeah. And what's life like today? Like, um, what's a day in the life, you know? Well, right now it's, it's busy. I mean, for me today, it's a lot of, I do a lot of content creation mm. for social medias, you know, different things. I think it's a very powerful tool. You know, I deal with our, we have a, a fractional CFO that I deal with our, our sales and marketing team pretty much and uh, interact with our operations manager and our chief security officer. So those people that I'm typically dealing uh, on a day-to-day -day basis as far as the company goes. So think about, you know, Drexel getting uh, pages, the beeper going off, the bag phone, walking people through that to, uh, you know, you go in and you you have a recording studio, right? You have like a, a whole like content studio, making videos for LinkedIn, all that. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I never thought, if you go back to Drexel, if you told me where I was going, how big this business would be today, I said, you're crazy. There's no way this would be. I would never thought in a million years I'd have a recording studio, which I do downstairs for different content. So but no, it's all good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's just completely different. You know, I'm, I really, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a CEO, you know, I'm not a, like a true business owner. If I had a person that would, a, a CEO that could work for me, I could just own the business. That's where I'm trying to get to where I could replace myself and become a true business owner. But right now I'm running the, the high, very high level operations of the business at this point in time. So I'm really invigorated. I'm excited to come to work every day because it's a new challenge. And we're, we're, I feel, I feel like you know, from our PCH, we're on the forefront of providing, you know, good cyber, you know, very high quality cybersecurity solutions to our clients and really to protect them. Cause I don't want to get any of my clients have any issues at all. So I really try to, to protect them. I take it very personally. Yeah. I know from all of my interactions with y'all, it's all, you've done a great job, you know, great company, great people, great products, all that. I think, you know, one thing in this podcast that I always like to ask people is advice for listeners. And there's always like some pivotal points along the way, right? Like, uh, starting the actual business, that jump in point going all in versus a lot of people, it's like leaving their full-time job and going to the, you know, the MSP business. Other people, it's giving up the keys and 
becoming a, a CEO or a manager versus getting in the weeds and other people and where I think you could definitely, you know, shine some serious experience and advice on is like reframing yourself and, and changing your mindset and thinking about coming up with a holistic sales and marketing plan and actually investing in that side of the business. So, you know, Tim, if you could go back to some like either yourself before you started doing that or someone who's in that position when they've got this business going and they're, you know, trying to figure out how to keep it going or grow, like what would you say to that person? I'll say a couple of different points. I think if you are starting your business right now, you have so many advantages. There was no Gmail, no Google Sheets. Like you, I had to buy a computer, which was like $4,000. I had to buy Microsoft Excel, which was a lot of money at the time. So opening a business right now, there is very low barrier to entry. If you're you know, timid about doing it, what I would do is start doing it part-time like I did. You're gonna have to hustle, take your full-time job, take your clients at night, do it as a hobby, make sure that, not a hobby, but see if you can make a run of it. And that's what I would do. But there's really no barrier to entry you know, starting your business day, everything is very affordable to do. I would say the, the biggest thing too, is as you're building your business, making sure you have reserves, because if you're going to go out on sales and marketing, you know, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to invest and you're going to have to, you're going to put money in. And this is the thing, people want instantaneous results. Mm. I'm going to put an ad up and I'm going to have five customers. It doesn't work that way. You kind of have to think about it in the, in the long haul, you know, in the course of, of years to do that for we're sitting on year seven. And now the difference is though, it was a slow going, slow going, slow going, slow going. Then all of a sudden accelerates, accelerates, accelerates like a snowball rolling down a mountain. It just goes faster and faster and faster. But it takes time and patience to get there. And you're going to take some risk to do it. So I think it's definitely worth it. I think you really got to define the market you're good at. And the way that I did it was I just, over those first like, you know, 17 or 18 years, I acquired all these customers. So I got my list. I said, okay. What do I have the most of? I had a lot of construction clients, a lot of finance, and a lot of manufacturers. So those are the three markets that we specialize in today because we say, you know, we know the construction software, the manufacturing software, we understand your pain points, and we market to those people. So that's what I did when I was kind of starting my, my marketing journey. And I think you have to decide what your culture wants to be. It's like, how do you want to market and how do you want to present your offering to your prospective clients? You know, I think that's really an important thing. But you have to be patient, and I definitely think it's worth it. I wish I did it earlier. If I marketed sooner, I would be a much larger company. But I wasn't my journey. I wouldn't change my journey. It's it's how I had to get there to get where I'm at today. So everybody's different. Some people could say, Tim, why did it take you 18 years to start marketing? Because you know what? I didn't. It's the resources I had to work with, the people that I met, and it's just the way my life ran out. So some people said, Oh, I can just do that in three years. What you did? Well, that's great. I'm I'm happy for you. But this is what it took. For me to get where I'm at now, I'm very happy with where where I'm at and where where we're headed. That's great, Tim. Appreciate you having you on. This has been awesome. Love the stories. Love uh, everything from the paper route to you know where you're at today. I guess you know there's only one thing left to say: it's go Phillies, go Eagles. Go Phillies. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you, Jim, for having on. I really appreciate you having me on your. Uh, your show here today and uh, look forward to seeing you at a show soon. Hopefully I'll see you next year sometime. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.